What's wrong with you people? Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast. And are you called to ministry? Southwestern Seminary offers over 50 unique degrees that will provide the training you need to live your calling. If you aren't sure which degree is the best option for you, check out swibbits.edu forward slash calling and take the quiz to find out. This quiz will help you sort through your interest and discover which degrees could fit your calling so you can find your calling. Find the quiz at swibbits.edu forward slash calling. And Kyle, call me Tyrone. Hey, uh, how are you doing, man? It was good to see you this week. Yeah, we got to hang out a little bit at the Southern Baptists of Texas convention. Uh, I was not there. I think I only saw you before it. I don't think we really saw each other. I think we. I think I said goodbye as I was walking out because yeah, yeah, I wasn't there for long. I I got to do a a lunch panel uh, that Anthony Swada put on 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 church revitalization. So literally, I dropped in, did a lunch panel, and then left immediately after that. (laughs) Must be nuts. Well, I am (laughs) fixing the SBTC one letter at a time. And I can't wait for the headline to read, Farmersville Pastor Opposes Pro-Israel Resolution. Uh, (laughs) But that was not exactly what happened. I made a friendly amendment to one of the resolutions, and that resolution, it would have been any of them. If I could ever find a grammar error in any of those resolutions, I was going to be the guy. I've done that before, and I will do it again. And so this time, there was a pro-Israel uh, resolution in there and calling us to pray, you know, affirming the work that Sin Relief does, some, all of that kind of, I don't really know what it says. I just found the grammar error. And the very end of it, I don't remember what the phrase was, but it was a reference from Scripture. And then it said, Psalms. 122 whatever verse and like my my head just immediately started twitching when i saw it and so i decided i was going to you know in a day where you know there's there's talk of uh i gotta be careful here so anyway i decided i was going to stand up and uh correct this thing even better after i decided to do that i found out that you know who was chairing the resolutions committee? It was my professor from Southwestern Seminary, Dr. <laughs> Madison Grace, who we almost killed on a podcast episode <laughs> once before. With a one-chip challenge, that's better. right. <laughs> so this guy has edited many papers of mine, not so graciously as a <laughs> Dr. Grace, but anyway, I had the whole thing written up that he was going to be the one that presented it, assuming that. And so it was It was all of this stuff. I hope you find this amendment much more friendly than you did my papers in Baptist Heritage. <laughs> uh, but here I stand, I can do no other, blah, 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 and all, all kinds of stuff. And I had stuff like, you know, there is one revelation, and I, I just had all the preacher jokes in there. I knew... You know, it, it was a great meeting, but there were, you know, there there was testy parts in there. Sure. And so it was, we needed to laugh. And so I was going to have fun. Well, no, Dr. Grace was afraid to face his student <laughs> and sent somebody else to do his dirty work. And it was a pastor by the name of Ben Lacey. Uh, ben, I know mostly online, 
and uh, did not really know him that well to know what was coming. But I shared my thing and I changed it on the fly basically to be like, hey, my name is Matt Hensley, messenger from First Baptist Farmersville. I even it, it took everything not to say Hogwarts. Uh, and, and I stood up and I said, you know, I just have a simple request that you take the S off of the end of Psalms and just let it be Psalm. It is singular. Yeah, I said some comment like that. And he backs up, confers with the people, and then he walks back up to the mic. And he says, we will take this as a friendly amendment if it comes from a Rangers fan. <laughs> at which point i, I love it to the microphone and i said here i stand i can do no other so help me god or something like that and i walked away and everybody's some clapping some laughing it was great and then i sit back down and then the uh moderator whatever comes back light comes back up to microphone two where i was and the mic the light comes back up and he said is there an objection or something call to order whatever it was from uh camera two mic two whatever and i'm waiting like nobody is there and i realized what i've done they had a little touch screen thing and it was like four was a button with a thumbs up against with the thumbs down um urgent requests and then some like maybe point of order i don't know there was something over to the end nothing there ever said uh friendly amendment unfriendly amendment any like i didn't know what to use yeah. and so when I pressed it at first, when I stood up and there was no movement on the stage, then I pressed the second button, still no movement. I pressed the third button. I pressed all <laughs> of the buttons on that thing. And so I stood up and That's... I said, hey, I didn't know what button to push. I pressed all of them, much like you know you would expect from Matt Hensley. And, uh, and so I, then as I was leaving, I said into the mic, go Astros. And so, so in a way it passed unanimously the amendment and all of that good stuff. And, uh, so yeah, See, this is why, you know, at the, at the SBC, there's a page there to help you understand which button to push because the screen, you know, it, it's not a complicated device, but it is a little confusing when, when you see all the buttons there and it's let me, true. Let me tell you, there was a page there. Oh, okay. And that page is a friend. I'm not going to call him out, but I will, <laughs> I will tell you. That friend, if he listens to this, will remember that I asked him specifically, what do I press <laughs> on that button or on that screen? And he said, I don't really know. I would assume it's four if your you know, amendment is for it. And so that's that's what I pressed at first. And then there was no movement on the stage. And they were about, I mean, they were ready to vote. And I was like, no, <laughs> like I was about to be, who, who was that guy years ago at the annual meeting that just started yelling? I, I, well, that happens a lot. Anyway. It does uh, happen a lot. It does. So that was that was my uh, my thing. Second time I fixed grammar in a uh, resolution. That's something I feel like I can get away with and not worry about in my position as a DOM ever. You know, if I was speaking for or against a particular thing, even though I would be coming as a messenger from First Farmersville, I would still be representing in in some fashion. Yeah, pastors. You know, maybe a little to the right of me, left of me, what all that kind of stuff. So I have to be a little careful there. But that's one I thought I could get away with, and yeah. I did, and well uh, had fun. So there you go. There was your moment. That was my moment, and uh, so it was a good time. Uh, a lot of great stuff happened. And uh, did you go to uh, Texas Baptist? Yeah, you did. 
Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They met in uh, in July down in McAllen. Yeah, so we, yeah, they decided let's go to the surface of the sun <laughs> in July, um, basically in Mexico, in McAllen, Texas, and it was so blooming hot. And so uh, but hot. we got to go to both of them. It was good to see it both and see what God is doing uh, through the BGCT, yeah. otherwise known as Texas Baptist or the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. Uh, the SBTC, other, otherwise known as Bart Barber's place. So uh, <laughs> it's good to see you, and it's good to do this. What are we talking about today? I have talked a little bit too much. Today we are talking about authority. It's a it's a bit of a buzzword in our in our culture at the moment, right? Um, but here's here's what we're going to talk about. This is based on an article that Mark Halleck has posted at the Replant blog, um, and, and and it's really simply this. In your church, either Jesus and his word will have authority or somebody or something else will. That, that's it. That's what we're talking about today. Yeah. Who has authority in your church? Now, let's, let's, let's caveat this because, well, I don't want to say no one because there might be a church out there that would say, no, absolutely. Jesus doesn't have authority. Miss Mildred has, has authority. But most, uh, for the vast majority of, of churches and pastors, if you were just to ask, you know, who has authority in your church, you'd probably say Jesus, the Bible, right? We believe in the authority of, of God's word. But on a practical level, the way you make decisions or um, the, you know, that that one person that you're like highly afraid of offending and uh, who has the power to say no and then everything falls apart like in reality, that's the thing or the person that has authority. And so we're going to talk this morning about what do you do uh, if you realize that that someone or something else has the authority in your church, and how do you address that? How do you how do you go about restoring um, Jesus's authority in his church? Which is perfect timing because two days in a row, I have or am in the process of posting near viral memes. Uh, today's was weird pastor facts and you open it up and it's the guy pointing at the page that says many people will ignore any biblical mistake you make while preaching but will completely lose their minds if you remove a 50 year old decoration from the back oh yeah auntie helga sewed uh that's definitely true uh, and then the one that I posted yesterday <laughs> was was probably my favorite, but it it has the picture of a guy leaning over. Um, I'm sure this is from a very well known movie that I'm not cultured cultured enough to know, but it has this. He's reaching out to pull up the the one that says "new pastor," and it says search yeah. committee trying to find a pastor who stays longer than two to three years. And then in the next frame, it has uh, Danny DeVito with a two by four. <laughs> yes poking it in the man's face and it says 40 year chairman of the deacon board with the quote oh no you don't <laughs> so, uh so that one I, i'll tell you what that one got a whole lot of traction but it also got some people that got a little salty that was like man you think this is funny it's not funny for the person living it and i said that's exactly why i posted it because i've lived it and so yes. <laughs> anyway yeah. Uh, anyhow, that is the topic today. Who is yeah. in control of yeah. your church? 
So in the, uh, the, the article, we'll put this in the, the show note. And, uh, and he calls this the number one challenge in mm. most declining and dying churches. And that deals with the issue of authority. Yeah. And, uh, you know, th- think about it. Any, any team, uh, baseball, football, basketball, otherwise, even could be super talented in everything else. Uh, how often they struggle when there's not a true leader, the one running it, the one that's the captain, the guy that everybody looks to for for leadership. And so in the case of a church, it's almost going to be universally true that it is going to struggle and die yep. if they don't know who is the true authority. And that that's not the senior pastor. That's you right. know, That's what we're talking about today. And that's also not the deacon chairman. Or the personnel yeah. committee chairman, or the finance committee chairman, might be the treasurer, but it's supposed to be <laughs> Jesus. So, so let's talk about that, Kyle. Uh, dig, dig in a little. Yeah. So, the reason I think this is so prevalent and so important in um, declining and dying churches is because, oftentimes, as it, if you have a church that's declined over a number of years, um, there there comes to exist a vacuum of leadership, right? I mean, so, especially if maybe, you know, you had, uh, maybe there was a, there was a pastoral tenure or a couple of pastoral tenures that just didn't exhibit strong leadership and and didn't lead well. Uh, What, what often happens is you lose high capacity leaders. Um, If, if, if there's, if there's no real leadership, your, your lay leaders typically aren't going to stick around if they're high capacity. Maybe through the years, you know, the church has just aged and, and, and for whatever reason, I mean, the, the high capacity leaders have either passed away or they've had to move on. Maybe it's no, no one person's fault. It just, it, that's just the pattern that developed over the years, but there's a vacuum of leadership. And so when that happens, someone or something will fill that role, right? So if you don't have, if you don't have a pastor, or you don't have someone who's who's constantly calling the church to look to Jesus and and reminding uh, reminding them of what His Word says. Something else will take that place. I think this goes back to our worship problem or our worship um, um, the the way that we're designed to worship. I should say it like that. Um, in that we're going to find something to fill that to fill that hole. And so, listen, if there's not someone pointing you to Jesus. Um, there will be someone who is constantly making a ruckus and will make sure that they have the authority um, or something in the church will drive that. And it might be a parlor. It might be a certain style of music, um, but but something will will be the authority. Something will make will take pr- a primary position in that church. And And here's the thing. If it's not King Jesus then the question becomes, is that a true New Testament church? If, if your ultimate authority is something other than Jesus Christ and his word, is that a true church? And I think if you'd read, if you read um, the letters to the seven churches in Revelation, there's some question there about how long a church can function if Christ Jesus does not have that primary place. So one of your tasks, and, and we talk often in church revitalization, um, we, we talk often about the practical side of things, right? Here, here are some things you need to fix. But church revitalization, church replanting is primarily spiritual. 
it's a it's a spiritual battle to allow Christ Jesus to have control over his church. And and I think this is true. Every single church that I've seen that finds itself um, in need of revitalization has lost sight of that somewhere, right? So most of the time, when, I mean, I, I've never been approached by a church that says, man, we need to be revitalized. Um, you know, we're really, we're struggling, but man, we've just, we've baptized so many people over the last year. We have, we have so many, you know, we're, we're making disciples because typically churches that are making disciples don't find themselves in need of revitalization, right? If, if you've baptized 30 people in the last year, um, you may not need to, to do revitalization. You, you have life in your church. Most of the time when we're approached by a church that says, Hey, we're, we're really struggling. We, I think maybe we need this revitalization stuff. They probably haven't baptized anybody in quite a while. Um, they're not uh, reaching their community typically. That, that's that. Those are the patterns that we've seen, and so that that tells me that something else has taken place, and they're they're following something um, practically other than King Jesus. And so the work of revitalization is restoring a church, um, re- restoring. You're not restoring Jesus's authority because he always has authority, but you are uh, refocusing the church's attention upon King Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is something that some of us as pastors don't often help. Um, and, and let me explain. <laughs> One is sometimes uh, we do a disservice when we wear all the hats. You know, we, yeah. we talk about being, you know, the uh generalist or or what's the what's the actual resourceful generalist resourceful yep. like you have to there's times you got to lead the music all yep. and when everything rises and falls on you and you you are the 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 great one the one that is doing everything and accomplishing mm. everything you're the one that's going out knocking on doors all that kind of stuff you know we get it but then when you're gone in two to three years to the next church. And like you said, that leaves yep. that vacuum of, well, who's going to step up. And I'll tell you who's the true authority of these churches that have that, you know, the regular rotation of pastors. And there's, there's nothing really wrong necessarily with the church like Mayhill kind of identified themselves as we want to be a place where somebody can, can come and sharpen their skills and, and, you know, continue to pursue education and, and then send, send them on. Like they were yeah. good with it. I mean, that they, that was something they kind of adopted <clears throat> when I came. Uh, but the, the other side of that is when that's regular, you know, two, two to three years, just a steady rotation, there's still that six to 12 month process of finding the next pastor. Yeah. And if you want to find the true authority of that church, more often than not, I'm going to throw out a random statistic of 96.8%. I don't have it. (laughs) But 96.8% of the time, it's going to be the person that those people look to in those in-between days. That's the guy that, you know, the new pastor needs to ultimately lean in on and and trust and build trust and build rapport, all that. That's another topic for another day. But ultimately, that true kind of authority and figure at that church is going to be the one that is kind of standing in the gap in those in-between days and those in-between seasons. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. If that person is pointing them to to Christ and his right. word, that becomes a bad thing when that person does not. And, yeah. uh, and certainly when the pastor comes in and does not. 
uh, but because Jesus is the authority, his word is our foundation, all of that kind of stuff. And so uh, if true revitalization, uh, Mark Halleck says, is going to take place, a dying or declining church, and I would say any church, must first humble itself and recognize that King Jesus and his word are the final authority, not your bylaw, yeah. not your senior pastor, not the chairman of the deacons, not Aunt Helga or whatever that I posted that meme from, uh, but Christ and his word. Kyle? Yeah, and and this is how he wraps it up. Um, and I think this is so good, this last paragraph. It's true in our individual lives, and it's true in our churches. Revitalization and renewal begins with submission to King Jesus and his word. Every other aspect of revitalization builds upon this foundation. So, you know, in, in Reclaiming Glory, Mark Clifton talks about the six imperatives. Um, you know, there's lots of practical stuff. We talked about the, the characteristics of replanters. All those things are important, but they're all built upon this foundation, submission to King Jesus and his word. And, and Halleck wraps up his article this way. He says, without it, a dying congregation should not expect God to move in power to bring their church back to health and vibrancy. Um, it's pretty powerful, right? I mean, you know, you go back to the seven letters, you look at Ephesus, right? They, they had a lot of things going on. And yet, what did Jesus tell them? You've lost your first love. They lost sight of Jesus Christ and his, and his word. And so that's the very first, the very first letter we see in Revelation is, is Jesus calling this church back to this spiritual foundation of the authority of Christ. All right. Well, Kyle, great article, Mark. I know you probably are too busy uh, to <laughs> listen to this, but you did a good job and well done. And uh, we hope this was an encouragement to you. And, uh, and, and maybe we can dig into some practical ways soon of, yeah. of how you can kind of see this happen uh, and in some simple ways. And so, Kyle, I appreciate you. It's good to see you this week. And we're grateful for the work that God is doing in the BGCT, SBTC here in Texas and seeing a lot of great reports across uh, the country. This is kind of annual meeting season yeah. and uh, for associations and state conventions. And so it's exciting to see. Uh, some people, I think you and I know, uh, nominated and, and elected as president, uh, including Craig Carlisle, the most voting yeah, person on the planet, is now the president uh, for Alabama. And uh, so that's pretty cool. And uh, so a lot of great stuff happening across the country. And we're grateful for that and encourage you to lean into that process. Be there, go there, correct the grammar and the resolutions uh, all day long and uh, be a part of what God is doing on the state level, on the local level, and of course, in the national level, which we still got months, months to go, but it will be here before you know it. So Kyle, yeah, well. send us out. Hey, thanks for listening. And until next time, which will be Black Friday, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. What's wrong with you people?